And now, Girls in Hoodies. Hello and welcome to the Girls in Hoodies podcast. My name is Emily Yoshida. I'm an editor at Grantland.com and with me is... Molly Lambert, a writer at Grantland. We have um, both watched the new Fox show, Utopia. Um, I went back for seconds because, I don't know, I was compelled to. You were compelled to? Well, I was on Gchat and a friend of mine was, are you wa- just asked me if I was watching the second episode and then I realized I had I had recorded the whole, like I had set to record the whole season, so I was like, no, but I could <laughs> be, even though I had just watched it on Sunday and been like, I'll never do that again. Yeah, like this is the wor- this has been the worst use of two hours it's ever. Kinda, there's something a little compelling about it. The, the the main problem with it has nothing to do with the premise or the production. I think it has everything to do with the casting. I think that they just cast a lot of like they they aired too much on the side of having really horrific people who <laughs> just are going to fight and you know bump up against each other. I'd rather watch people who were really like dedicated to the cause. <laughs> Society work. I don't know. I think it would be entertaining. You want to see people build a crystal pyramid. Yeah, or something. I don't know. I was sort of like just curious before I watched it. And then I watched the whole thing of the first of the premiere, at least. Um, yeah, it was like every reality show combined. It was like the real world. It was like the bachelor. It was like survivor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically like survivor or big brother, but with this kind of, you know, farmland back to the land setting that looks like a backyard in Malibu. Yeah. It's basically, it's basically like Big Brother on steroids because it's like the no intervention thing, but that there are cameras everywhere. And, but I mean, the main thing, and I think the thing that kind of, I think the thing kind of hurts it in the pitch, you know, if you're just telling people what it is, is like, there are no winners. There's no There's way. There's also no kind of goal is what it seems like. Well, the goal is to not be miserable, I guess. Right. But like, I.e. I. build the perfect society. But even but. in the premiere, it was like, I felt like the whole premiere was just me waiting for them to say what they had to do on the show. Right. And then it was like, nothing. You have to figure out if you're going to let everybody nude bathe every day right. or if the priest pastor character guy is going to I mean that was so funny. Yeah, and there there was more of that this in this last one too where um the guy who's the private chef kind of like took Hex the huntress aside. And Let's was, talk about Hex. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Hex. Hex, I mean, I don't really have a problem with Hex. I think that she she's is one of not the- that's not a real person. That is a made up name. Well, her name she's is obviously like big into LARPing. Well, her name is Hex Van Isles. Sure. She clear they clearly were like we need a Katniss. <laughs> and we're like She's like a she's like an Am- an Amazon though. She's like huge. Yeah, but I looked her up. There's no information about this person. This I don't think it's not- her real name. I think that's like a role playing alias. Like You don't think she's a porn star? Mm. She's from the Midwest, so she's from Detroit. But that's who knows. Hex Van Isles is from Detroit. Who knows who this person really is? That's true. I don't know. I mean, she could be. She's that's like what made, that's what I started thinking after that. Was I was like, are all of these people actors who have been cast to play these different? Like, is the pastor just some actor that mm-hmm. they were like, you're playing the role of the pastor in yeah. the town? Yeah, I, you know, it, there are a lot of shows where you could say that, and I would be like, no, like they're. These are really, you know, genuine people. But in a way, I can see how that could be because just because all of the personalities are so extreme yeah. on it. I sort of like maybe everybody on the show is a porn star. <laughs> well, well, Hex is actually one of the ones who didn't go fully naked when they, everybody first started 
stripping down for the for the pond time. But that was the big conflict of the first episode was uh was it sexual harassment for the one guy to right kind of proposition everybody oh well he he just was super he was like blackout drunk and tried to well that that was what it seemed like was that everybody was blackout drunk well yeah and that's another mistake that the show made was having so much booze readily available i mean one of the guys brought it as his item to put into the crate but there was still like jug what seemed like an endless supply of wine (laughs) and i was like i was thinking like don't give it to them like maybe let somebody bring it as their thing but don't give it to them like if they want to get drunk they need to figure out how to make a still like the guy who brought the the whiskey did like he's he was a moonshiner he could have done that that idea yeah they're allowed to get drunk, but they have to learn how to make alcohol. Yeah, no, but that's what would be interesting to, about me to this show is like the whole Minecraft aspect of it. You, you start out with like a <laughs> stick and some cows and you got to figure out how to make the stick into a sword so you can kill the cow or whatever. Like, you know, like I, I actually find that stuff to be compelling and I think it would be interesting to watch. Do you think the problem is that we can't show people learning how to kill animals? Well, we... So far, they haven't shot any animals. They're deer that wander through, and I'm like, and and Hex has a bow. Yeah, I'm like, why doesn't she get on that? That would be entertaining. They can't do that. Um. Well, they could show her shooting it, and then, you know, I mean, they can show the two who are already hooking up, like basically having sex on camera. Um, uh, do you want to talk about what you saw on the off hours? Oh feed? my god, yeah. So I wrote about this, and I so the next morning. I was writing and I was just checking up on the feed because they like Big Brother. They have you can go on the website at any time and um, and watch the live cameras. And so um, it was early and it was and they're on the West Coast. I think they're within two hours of Los Angeles. I know this. Um, and We're just saying Ojai. That's our guess. Yeah, I think it's somewhere around Ojai. So anyway, I knew they're on the same same time time zone or whatever. Uh, and I saw the guy who's a lawyer who has, like, a lot of hair. Um, oh, the the guy who's, like, a New York lawyer. Yeah. A New York lawyer. Manhattan lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Every time they introduced him. And he's always like, I'm not going to work. But, you know, to his credit, he totally did. He's been doing a lot of the... He's the, the mediator. The, yeah. He's he's one of the more decent people of it. But anyway... He's probably a porn star. Well, yeah. Well, this is the thing. He's like, the, the camera was fixed on him and... uh there was some. There was a girl sleeping next to him. I couldn't really see who it was, but there was like a little too much like rustling going on. And then I saw his <laughs> mouth kind of go open. It's still like he's asleep. And then I was like trying to figure out who it was, and I was like waiting to see if the camera was going to do anything. And then it just blurred like all all across the whole thing. Because it realized, yeah, that- it realized that they were broadcasting a hand job. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's the barrier that we're bra- don't they doesn't that happen all the time on Big Brother that people yeah I mean there there are cameras in the bathroom in Big Brother the only have place sex in the showers and stuff yeah yeah it. and they just kind of know I mean I think that there's sort of the understanding that you know they're not gonna did you ever watch the real world movie when they tried to make a movie oh the version? real Cancun the real Cancun yeah a lot I mean I haven't I don't really recall I think that is that movie it. is important. <laughs> I could stand to rewatch it. Well, it seemed like it was going to be the beginning of a new genre. Like we could have reality movies. Yeah, like we yeah. could have reality movies, and that did not happen. Well, they're called documentaries. I know. <laughs> Docu reality. I know. I mean, there's there. I mean, there's lots of 
Well, I'm interested in movies, in, in, in documentary films that kind of walk up to that line of being the territory of reality TV, like that movie Queen of Versailles. Yeah. Which was like, I think one of the first things we ever talked about on oh, this podcast. Oh, a good movie. Um, but that's really interesting because you, just because of not having commercials and having a different format that you work with, um, you can kind of explore the same things, but maybe in, ha- have more freedom with the way that you tell the story, which I enjoy. I mean... I honestly, like, I thought that I would be really bored by the premise of Utopia, and I'm not. It's just the people. It's just the people that make it. Do you think the problem is the people are just too willing to do whatever? No, I think it's just that, I think, and there was a, there was a post, um, a morning after, which is one of those weird Kindra sites on, um, Gawker that I still don't understand. <laughs> yeah, they have a bunch of new sites that yeah. I, every time I see them, I'm like, well, what site What's is this? That? Oh, yeah. But the, this is on site. the morning after the TV one, and somebody made the really good point, uh, that this, I mean, this premise just naturally attracts people who aren't going to get along and be functional in society because they think that they are, special enough and exceptional enough to be on TV. Yeah, and to and to opt out is? of uh, opt out of society with everybody else. And I mean, it's not just being on reality TV and thinking that like, you know, like I should be on Survivor or something, but it's like the 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 casting call for Utopia is basically like, are you sick of living with all these normies <laughs> having to be a normal person? <laughs> Do you want to live by your own rules, do things your own way? And people who are like, yeah, sounds great, and like actually follow through on it, those people tend to be assholes. You know, so, I don't know. I feel like they – I don't know that I thought people were assholes so much as I was just – of all the directions it could have gone, I thought it was interesting that it went in the like horny vegan co-op direction where it's just like, yeah, everybody is naked, but it's not – you know, there's nothing malevolent happening. It's just like yeah. I mean, the sex is the spring least, break. <laughs> the sex is the least, uh, or the new, it's not really that much sex. The whole thing in this second episode was that the two people who are hooking up um, uh, were just trying to find a place where there aren't cameras, and they did. They found a place behind a bale of hay. Really? Of hay, but they they still like we saw them go all the way. The up bale of hay is not a camera. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, but the other weird thing about it is that so it's more or less current but it, like the stuff that we're watching on an episode happened kind of the week before i didn't realize it's supposed to run for a whole year a whole year and the thing is its ratings are terrible yeah its ratings are terrible it's not going to make it that whole like year. you you guys probably don't even know what we're talking about right now but because I, nobody watched what it what i hope happens is that they shut off the cameras at some point the people in utopia decide to keep living there to build the society <laughs> And then they really build a independent society. Yeah. No, I mean that. If as long as they still have the feet up and everything, like, <laughs> and we get to see like it kind of be even more. Did you anarchic? Have you seen We Live in Public? Yeah. That's what it made me think of too. Oh yeah. The experiment and We Live in Public, where all the people lived in the bunker together. We Live in Public was. We Live in Public was, like, people get, like, really playing with the internet for the first time and the full implications of the internet. I feel like Utopia is more like, you know, let's... I, I mean, I feel like Utopia is just almost super, super timely, too, because of everything that's been happening in the world yeah. recently. It's like, that's your thought when you're watching something horrific happening on the news. You're like, I want out. I want to get out. <laughs> and, you know, and then an ad for Utopia comes up on TV and you're like, yeah, why not? But I don't know. 
it just isn't isn't working for me right now. That does not mean I won't keep watching you think it. Reality show enclaves will be like the new gated communities. That would be that. That is a great sci-fi premise. Well, you know, one thing I always think about was there was a billboard on um, for uh, Park La Brea. Mm-hmm. on Wilshire for mm-hmm. a long time, like right when Park La Brea opened, which is a apart, big apartment complex, a gated community across from, the grove. Uh, across from the Grove. And there was a, they had a billboard that said, like heaven, Park La Brea is also a gated community. And somebody <laughs> crossed out heaven and tagged like Abu Ghraib. <laughs> oh Park God. La Brea is also a gated community. <laughs> oh my God. That was when it first opened. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely some like Elysium type. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would watch that movie. I don't know yeah. if I would live in that world, but I would watch that movie. I'm, I'm big into dystopian, <laughs> uh, utopia. Yeah. I mean, why, why is it utopia, not dystopia? Because everything is a dystopia, <laughs> which is also why nobody's watching Utopia right now. I mean, I think if it was... The world is too dystopian. It's not interesting enough. Yeah. But the thing is that Utopia itself is actually super dystopian. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's like basically every single uh, human vice or uh, shortcoming that is, is contributing to a lot of the problems we have now is on full display. It like just you looks can- like a music festival. <laughs> There's no music there. I think that would make me go crazy. If there was no music? Mm-hmm. That's always something I thought would make me crazy on Survivor. Yeah. Because I thought a lot about how I would deal with being on You're Survivor. a big Survivor person. I am. Now, again, newly new Survivor person. Uh, Survivor, I mean, this makes Survivor look really competent and well-organized in comparison because well, yeah. Survivor, you're like, I know what the goals are and they're giving them challenges that sort of make new alliances and make reasons for people to get along or not get along. Right. Whereas well, on Utopia, there's really no goal, which is That's supposed to be the interesting part of it. Is like, I mean, because Survivor is really just a sport at this point. It's like, you know, a, a lot of other competitive reality yeah. shows. And, you know, people who watch it for a long time, they kind of know the rules of the game. Every year there's sort of some variation. There was a good, like, Chuck Klosterman essay once about how there are all these established archetypes of reality TV characters now mm-hmm. and that people who are going on reality TV, like, know which archetype they are. Yeah. That yeah, people mold themselves into whatever they know will be the best thing to have on television. Yeah. Well, it's a whole self-awareness thing with any show. I mean, and that's, you know, there there are definitely some of those people on Utopia. What about Red? Let's talk about Red. The- oh, Red. Yeah, I mean... Red, to me, I kept saying he looks like what I think uh, Jesse Pinkman would look like as an adult. <laughs> Red is, like, a little too, like too much too uh, real too real uh I can't, I can't like i think i think a lot of people will see that character and be like oh that person's an actor that person doesn't it's not no there are plenty of <laughs> i don't i've spent enough time uh you think red's a real person yeah but uh what if red like went to juilliard and is like a, a british trained shakespearean actor he like lost all of his teeth for for yeah the art. for method um but in the second episode from last night, Tuesday night, um, he and Dave, the ex-con. Fifth Ave Dave. Fifth Ave Dave. Um, they formed the first splinter faction of Utopia called the Utopian Freedom State, I think. Where <laughs> basically the rules of Freedom State are that you don't have to do anything and um, 
you don't have to abide by anybody's rules. Uh, and the, you don't uh, have to- The libertarian guy didn't join up with them? No, that's the thing. The libertarian guy was like, you guys are stupid. Like, this isn't going to work. This is going to be so <laughs> short-lived. Which is like, you know that you're in trouble then. When the libertarian yeah. like, weren't Yeah, but, um, but the funny thing is that they, so they finally got the phone working so they could call and order some Pizza? food. But so the- Wait, the, they get to call and order food? Well, they can call, they, they have a limited amount of money. Um, and it's just to get them started. So, so the main group is like, we're going to buy like rice. So this is like Walden. They're not really cut off from the outside. No, I think that it's cheating. I think they should, but I think that they ran the risk of like, oh, a lot of these people. You know, that's the thing about Walden was that. Yeah. He was like right by his mom's house. Yeah. His mom did his laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Which is college. Yeah. Um, but, uh, people's moms don't do their laundry in college. (laughs) Some people do. Meto Soprano. Yeah, exactly. I uh, just compared Thoreau to Meadows <laughs> Uh But yeah, so so the main group is like, well, we're going to spend this on like, you know, staples that will last us a long time, like rice and beans and stuff. Um, and the, the Utopian Freedom Society is like, no, we're getting peanut butter and Oreos and stuff. And they got all this stuff. And it was like, and they tried to lure people over to their state by offering them Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff was all super interesting to me. Like, I love, like, that was really fascinating. And until, like, everybody starts screaming at each other, it's like. Is it always two hours? No, it was one hour okay. last night. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I think the thing about it, too, is it's just like. It is kind of like slow TV in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just so backgroundy. You don't have to pay close attention to it, and it doesn't really. None of it really matters what they're arguing about. So you can just sort of like chill. It's a good show to watch with other people. I watched it with with some friends. And yeah, it was, it was enjoyable to watch it a group and make fun of. Yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna. I have I have the season pass now, so it's like. Every time I'm bored and sitting by the TV, it'll come on. It's no, um, it's no Bachelor in Paradise, though. Yeah, but, uh, don't even get me started on Bachelor in Paradise this week. Big that really down. is the utopia. Oh, it was a letdown? What yeah, happened? They just it it made, they made it. They made it about love in the end. Oh, and I don't need it to. What be was about it supposed love. to be about? Uh, hooking up and raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> and Wait, of raccoons. Well, there there were two scenes where Claire, who was really the MVP of the whole season, uh. They had her, she would, you know, run off and like be crying and she'd be obviously talking to a producer and like talk in, but they would be filming her and, but it would, she wouldn't be talking to the camera. It would be like, she would be shot through a bush and you could hear her like weeping and explaining what her situation was to a producer, but they would just intercut it. So it looked like she was talking to this raccoon. (laughs) (laughs) It was so good. (laughs) Uh, That brings me to a point, which is that after I watched Utopia the other day, for two hours or whatever, uh, I was out in a backyard where there were two raccoons running around. Uh, and you told me about this. First, I spent like an hour trying to figure out what animal it was because yeah. it was very hard to identify and it was dark and it didn't really have a flashlight and just kind of watching it and being like, oh, it's too big to be a coyote, but it's it's too small to be I don't know. Like, it, it was so weird. It was so uncanny. I was like, maybe it's a person. No, that's clearly not a person, but I really can't see what it is. It was two raccoons chasing each other, and then they climbed on top of a fence and had sex. Oh, my God. And watched them have sex. That's for like, a real utopia. It was. It was, so, <laughs> it was so entertaining, and I was like, look at this. This is so 
stupid. It happens everywhere. Yeah. And but just because you're face to face with it's it, it's just riveting. Yeah. Like the real utopia is uh, <laughs> in that. our backyards. In our backyards. I no. I mean, this is what I was saying. It's like I should pitch a show that's raccoons having sex for <laughs> two hours twice a week on Fox. Good luck with that. While they play Clarence Carter's Stroking. <laughs> On a loop. That's my dream. Um, which is kind of like the explore cams that I was talking about oh, this yeah. week, which are these explore.org. Oh, yeah. Everybody should check out uh, our Grantland Recommends this week because Molly's recommendation is Aces, and I spent a long time watching Yeah. It's all these theirs. live cams of animals and yeah. in, in different magical nature settings around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I watch the most right now is a bear cam where a bear is catching fish in a stream. I think it's in Alaska. I think it's multiple bears. It's not like the bear yeah. is like on a tether They have bear like three and... different bear cams. That's the thing, too, is you're like, oh, you're not into the bear in the stream. Here's a bear in a field. <laughs> Just... um, I don't, I'm not in a field mood today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely check that out. That was a good discussion. I liked watching it when I was... Uh, because I think I was putting that together, at, you know, like six in the morning or six thirty in the morning or something. Cool, cool fact about me and my life is that I'm on a schedule with bears. <laughs> but but it was cool because I, I clicked on it and it was still dark there because I guess it's further. I guess it's further west than here. Um, it was really cool to watch the sunrise <laughs> in Alaska. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but um, uh, so. Uh, that's a While dystopian the, thing I'm into, yeah. is watching nature remotely. And then well, I started to feel guilty at a certain point utopic. where I was like, maybe these animals don't want to be taped. Maybe we shouldn't be broadcasting this. We should just let them be. I don't know. I mean, I think I think there's there's been a lot of dystopic things this week. A lot of general. surveillance talk this week. Yeah, Taylor Swift's, Taylor Swift's profile. Um, we had the Apple keynote yesterday. Yeah, the Ray Rice thing. The Ray, yeah. Everything um, yeah. was about whether or not you're being secretly recorded at all times. And how to wear recording devices on your person at all times so that you never have to not know when you get an email. Well, Taylor Swift is preoccupied with the idea that speakers might be able to be recording devices that anytime she's around a speaker, she's worried somebody might use it as a microphone to secretly tape her. Um, And then people were saying, yeah, that totally, you just reverse the field that you can totally turn a speaker into a microphone. Yeah, I think I've heard of that before. Um, And she also was saying some like very paranoid sounding things about your cell phone being able to be turned on remotely and whether somebody would ever do that. And then people well, were that's like, part of the whole NSA. Yeah, thing. Snowden. Yeah, like, yeah. Of course, of course we can turn on your cell phone remotely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, all of her concerns are very warranted is the thing and probably even more warranted for her because she's yeah. a celebrity. No, I know. So. It made, it, I also just really liked this kind of Richard Nixon side of her that we've never seen yeah. before. I was like, that is very interesting. <laughs> And I'm going to put some masking tape over the camera on my computer, too. Let's all do it. Yeah. Um, speaking of... Yeah, the Apple Keynote. Yeah. I, I mean, did you watch any of this stuff? No, I never really watched those. I don't either. But the thing is that every time it happens, that's 
the only thing that's on the internet and I feel completely out of the loop. And it's not that I don't have and own Apple products and even like completely up to date Apple products. Like I'm not living under a rock here. It's just like, I don't understand how, I don't understand the, the, the documentation and the, the news cycle around it and how it looks like everybody's in some kind of temple when they go watch like a new object get put out into the yeah. world. I don't, so, I don't like, it's very fascist feeling. Yeah. It's super weird. Especially super with weird. the, like the think different, you're like, this is you can't all think different. <laughs> Some of you are going to think the same. They're all. I mean, the part that I wrote about today. I mean, well, so one of the things that was revealed was the Apple Watch, which had kind of been rumored for a while, and now we've seen who it. Who wants that? I don't know who wants. The thing is, the thing about it is, like, what does it do? I mean, you it doesn't operate on its own. You have to have your your. It's tethered to your iPhone, so it you it'll. Uh, it's too small of a screen. And so it's the too only, big of a screen to be a watch. The only thing it does is it notifies you about things that are happening on your phone. Why would you so want that? So it means that you – this is the immediate thing that I th- – because I saw these things that are like the the, the Apple Watch will, will free us from our phones. Like that was this headline that I was seeing. I was like, no, actually like you're going to be like – The Apple Watch is like a pager for you're your be phone. Like, trying to like watch a movie or like making out with somebody or something and then your wrist's gonna ri- vibrate and you're gonna like sweet i got an email from- <laughs> like- no, your wrist is gonna turn on because the nsa is like watching oh, you God. make out it's so creepy like i don't the wearable tech thing is something i feel like that's gonna be the big gulf between like people our age and the next generation like oh, they're gonna feel comfortable with that and we're not Stephen even colbert did a really good bit about it where it was like check out the next device the spine spider <laughs> implant a spider in your spine and then it tells you to build a crystal pyramid you don't know why you're doing it you just have to (laughs) that sounds that sounds like the next step (laughs) honestly i mean yeah and also it's ugly i mean which was sort of my problem with google glass but i think they're gonna find a way around all these things i mean honestly if i had to choose between if i had to at gunpoint choose between google glass and uh the apple watch i would choose the watch because I guess you could probably turn the vibrate function off and it would just be an ugly bracelet. But, I mean, I don't know. It just it just freaks me out. And then the thing that I wrote about today that was very offensive to me is that they unveiled the new emoji that come, that come on the watch because that's sort of... Um, because you won't be able to type very easily. It's like, oh, you'll have these like super customized... Because you won't be able to type very easily. Yeah. I, like, I, so it's like if you get an email from somebody and they're like you know do you want to hang out today and then instead of having to type like no why do you need the watch when you have the phone because you are a slave to <laughs> apple <laughs> like seriously but the, these 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 animated emo- emojis are so offensive to me on such a like deep concept- conceptual level and um i ended up writing a lot about that today but um i mean mostly my what's offensive about them so you, they're very customizable. Like you've got this face, like the yellow smiley face, and apparently you can manipulate the smile, manipulate the eyebrows so that it's like the actual face that you want it to make. And my my thing about it is like emoji are beautiful because they're preset yeah. and they're limited, and you have to choose an emotion that a lot of other people have chosen in many other scenarios, and that kind of connects you with the rest of the world. <laughs> And like, and and it also is a way of saying like, oh, I'm 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 crying tears of joy right now, and you know that's not a particularly unique 
thing. Like, I don't need to mold my own little guy to tell you how I'm feeling. Like, like you know how it, what this feels like, right? To, like, to be so happy about fill in the blank. And I don't know. It's just, and I just also just don't agree with everything needing to be 3D and animated, like, to make it better. I mean, nobody hates emoji right now. Everybody loves emoji. <laughs> um, I, I just uh, read a study that said that when people are lonelier, they are less affected by the uncanny valley. Hmm. That if somebody is really lonely and not socializing with other human beings, that they will find like a non-human looking robot face less creepy. I'm not going to say the thing that I want to say right now about, about say gamers. It. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we're, we've passed that past that bridge um yeah no i mean i believe it i mean and i think also the more you see that stuff too i mean i don't i think there are a lot of other chat apps like um what's the there's like a korean one uh, like cacao talk or there are a lot of these different ones that have more animated faces and stuff and that seems super invasive to me like i don't the less visual information the better when i'm doing something like that like i want to just deal with like very simple symbols and text preferably all lowercase with no punctuation i think my major issue is that having used lots of technology for our whole lives um I have learned that you need to spend a certain amount of time without a screen yeah. in front of you or you go crazy. Yeah. And the idea of like never being out of touch, always having a device on you seems like a terrible idea, but also makes me feel like a Luddite for being like, oh, well, it's scary, so we shouldn't go in that direction um, because so- it'll lead to that Black Mirror Google Glass episode. Yeah. Well, um, so this morning we were also sent Somebody tweeted at us, um, I think a recent Radio Lab podcast about dystopias, and they talked to a professor there who was talking about um, Alexandria and how kind of when Alexandria started emptying out, it was like there was tons of crime and just like social upheaval and stuff. And like there was a big movement of people who just like left, it was like in Babylon, Babylonian times, like just left the city and wandered out into the wilderness and like became mystics. <laughs> and, and how this guy was like making this case for, you know, all the kind of cultural shifts recently, how that's very, very like that that seems like we're kind of coming like that's a pattern that societies go through right well did you read mallory orberg wrote a really funny thing about there was a profile in gq about this main hermit oh yeah 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 and the the gq article was kind of like an kind of, i don't know sort of like a fantasy well, about like fetishizing all yeah it was like fetishizing living in the woods mm-hmm. and cutting yourself off from society and mallory sort of on the toast was making fun of the article for sort of all the factual information of it about that this guy is like steals candy from children (laughs) 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 that he was like breaking into people's houses constantly and people were like please don't break into my house i'll leave you some food outside and he just was ignoring it yeah she was like we should not be idolizing this guy he is not cool and also he's not living like like what you were saying like she was mad that he hadn't learned how to whittle or anything she yeah. was like why isn't he building a still no, they said his diet his diet was terrible like yeah, he had all this out. yeah he had all his organ failure and his stuff it was oreos and stuff yeah marshmallow fluff <laughs> yeah it's the freedom society but she was like you. you know if you're gonna live in the woods you better learn how to like whittle a bow and arrow like do something <laughs> cool true. like that's the whole fantasy of the back to the land yeah you're gonna get in touch with nature not like a slingshot steal everything you need from society and then 
keep living in nature. <laughs> um, well, oh, oh sorry, just one more thing. There's a really good true life about um, survivalists. Oh, really? Yeah, it's about people who are like, I want to go off the grid, and they sort of prepare to go off the grid, and then when they go off the grid, they all freak out. They all kind of have mental breakdowns even though that they were like i want to leave society i want to just be on the land and live off the land and then when they did it they were like i'm so cold yeah i'm so tired society's a drug man withdrawal is a (laughs) (laughs) is that the the utopia tagline i think so that's the tagline too much utopia tagline for the raccoon sex show that we're gonna have I'm telling you, raccoon sex. I know. No, raccoons are big this year. Yeah. Like, let's just, just, like, ride the wave. They are big in general. Yeah. They're like little bears. I didn't even realize that. I've seen possums in real life, and those are scary. Raccoons have, like, big booties. They, yeah. I, you know, you think they of them as being kind too. of small and cute, but they're, like, little, like, wolverines almost. They're big. Cute. They're cute. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be their friends. <clears throat> um, well, um, this week, um, I'm talking with a very special guest um, who will be joining us in a second. So we're going to transition and uh, bring on our guest, David Reese. Hello, David Reese. Hello. Thanks for having me. I am joined by David Reese. He is the host of Going Deep with David Reese on National Geographic, which just finished its first season and is available now in its entirety on Hulu, uh, which, I mean, we, we really recommend. We're a big fan of at Grantland in general. Oh, thank um, you very much. Mark, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you're, you've, you're a person of many hobbies, so I figured that we'd have no shortage of things to talk about, even with the show. Right. Over I love everything. my hobbies. Um, but but uh, tell me a little bit, or just explain the show, I guess, for people who haven't seen sure. it. Sure. Okay, so Going Deep is a how-to show that teaches you the best way to do the things you think you know how to do. Perfect. <laughs> how to open a door, how to tie your shoes, how to flip a coin, how to shake hands. So stuff like – so anything that you think there's – any topic where you think there's nothing you could possibly learn about it, that's what we make shows about, those topics. I feel like now – you mu- every single conversation you must have with somebody who's a fan of the show, they just have a, a million suggestions. of. We hear a lot of ideas, yeah. yes. And it's interesting because you can tell who – you can tell who really gets it. Like a lot of people requested how to walk and that was actually one of our original ideas. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you guys get it. Yeah. yeah that's definitely – that would definitely be a classic episode. Well, a lot of that's in the, the how to tie your shoelaces or at least yeah, like – they're well – <laughs> there's more to learn about walking. I can tell oh, you yeah. as someone who's not good at walking. Um, and then other times people say, I want to know how to brew beer. You say, that's not this show because yeah. that sounds complicated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so. I would, I would, my first suggestion would probably be how to breathe. That's on the list. Yep. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my ad- good one. ideas. Are what's your, good. what's your next suggestion? Um, how, how to, how to sing Countdown by Beyonce at karaoke. Um, oh, too complicated. <laughs> too complicated. That's just something that I failed to do recently. Oh, I, all right. I felt like I needed some help with. Um, how, to, how to walk was definitely one okay. I, I, would, I would think of. Um, how to clip your toenails or your fingernails or anything. Well, we have a lot of – there. we do have a lot of ideas for personal hygiene things. How to brush your teeth, obviously. Right. How to bathe yourself. Fingernails and toenails would be interesting because that truly disturbs me. You know, <laughs> f- finding of 
finding a fingernail on the bathroom floor, especially if you step on it with your bare feet. I don't mean an entire fingernail. That right. would obviously be <laughs> cause for alarm. Like I would, I would immediately burn down my house. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like a clipped fingernail. Yeah. The clipping. The, That's uh, it interesting. gives me the heebie-jeebies. That's interesting because just before we started recording, you were telling me more about the episode about how to shake hands where right. you are touching an actual cadaver arm. I have no issues with cadaver That's arms. That's cool. Yeah. It's fingernail clippings that make my skin crawl because huh. there's something about – I guess because it's – like I don't mind – I don't mind hair clippings. You know, you go to the barber and there's hair everywhere. That's fine, you know. Yeah. Um, but something about fingernail clippings, I think because they're more substantial just as material, it feels more like – it's this weird hybrid of waste, mm-hmm. like excrement, but also – I don't know how to – I've never really thought about it this much. Well, There's just something about it. I I think like you're, we're more familiar with our hands. We deal with our fingernails a lot, so there's more evidence of our life in our fingernails. Whoa, yeah, no, that's a great right. I mean, one of the things that we really we didn't really have time to talk about in how to shake hands in that episode is that you probably see your hands more than any other part of yeah. your body, right? I mean, there was the actual phrase, you know, it like the back of your hand. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's true though that fingernails are probably taking the brunt of the encounters you're having with the world. Yeah. So like, if I'm out digging weeds or whatever in my house. And then, and then when I'm done, obviously my fingernails just have a bunch of bugs and right. dirt under them, you know. Oh, not bugs. Well, you don't I mean <laughs> yeah. small bugs. Yeah, right. Microscopic bugs. Yeah, exactly. Also, if you're really into nail art, that's a thing. Well, that's very interesting because I find uh, long fingernails very off-putting, mm. and I find nail art very off-putting. I'm like a big. <laughs> Uh, I'm a big fingernail snob Okay. when it comes to, I guess, especially women. Uh, like I could see the most beautiful woman and utterly charming and intelligent and sexy. And then if she has like, what's the one French? Oh, a French manicure. Yeah. That's, it's not happening. All that kind of stuff. Just, ugh. so is it just like, if, if somebody just had a solid color, would that be offensive or? How many languages does she speak? Uh, How brilliant is she? And what is the color? She's uh, she's picked up some Spanish from uh, from living in Los Angeles for a while. Okay. And, uh, and what color are her fingernails? A tasteful mauve. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, fingernails. Any. <laughs> I know this. We're starting to sound like we're kind of getting obsessed with fingernails, but I am oh, I'm, now. I'm in for. I'm in oh, okay. Into it. <laughs> fingernail talk, our new podcast. Yeah. I think anything that draws attention to the fingernails, I think I find that a little weird. I okay. guess I would prefer that your fingernails are just, you know, understated and and subtle and almost invisible, like children. And so, an unpainted fingernail is, I guess, the one that blends in with the rest of the finger. Yeah. But then on the other hand, paradoxically, if I saw someone who had fingers with no fingernails, that would also – They have to be not, there. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. They're useful. They just can't call attention to themselves. Yeah, right. Well, I I think this would be an interesting episode because you also have to – yeah, you have to talk about what a fingernail is. It's like this weird little plate that is right. on it's the like end of your finger. like an old claw or something. Yeah. Yeah. And why we have them. Like, Nobody knows. Nobody knows? 
It's so we can all revel in our own disgust as, fa- as fallen creatures in the <laughs> eyes of God. That's why we have fingernails. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, next episode. Next up. Oh, that I would suggest. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think it starts to get into complicated things. I uh, I watched a how-to a couple years ago about how to watch football because I started working for this website, right? And I wanted to understand sports. Uh-huh. <laughs> and actually, it was it was it wasn't even how to watch football. It was how to talk about football with as people. if you know what you're talking well, about. Well, to get just enough knowledge so that you could be conversant in it and like have a drink with a bar at somebody and right, be like, right. oh, did you check out that? Move. Football game. That football game. <laughs> um, I ended up getting into football anyway. Weirdly, uh, not really with any help from that video. But okay. uh, why did you get into football? Um, peer pressure, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I felt like I had to choose one sport. You know, we're sitting in this room full of sports memorabilia. As listeners of our podcast know, we are often in a room. Full I want. And I do want to say. For, I, I do want to say for the record, I have never been in an environment with such a high concentration of like. Everywhere I put my eyes, there is a sports image, oh, and a, and a basketball them. being spun on a finger, probably within. Right. Yeah, this is this Just is very take, heavy. You can take it in. It's 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 a lot. It's a lot of a lot of content. And I recognize most of the sports. Like, yeah, this guy jumping with the orange ball is <laughs> definitely playing basketball. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, see, you know, you could, you're fitting right in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how to talk about football? I think would be a little complicated. It's too complicated. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, when, How to talk about a foot, maybe yeah. we could do. It's yeah. a little easier. I think you got a foot preoccupation. I don't actually. I mean, so for how to tie your shoes, we did meet with the barefoot professor at yeah. Harvard, Professor Lieberman, who advocates uh, not wearing shoes as often as we do because we're not evolutionarily designed to wear shoes. And mm-hmm. shoes are making our feet weaker mm-hmm. with each passing step. And I think in that episode, I did make a couple jokes about how I don't like feet. And I think it's – I think it's it, – not to go back to fingernails, but as long as, <laughs> as long as we're talking about it, I think it is the extremities of the human body that freak me out because feet are touching the ground all day and fingernails are interacting with the world all day. Mm-hmm. And maybe it says something about my personality that – I prefer the interior parts of the body that are never exposed to mm-hmm. the real world and maybe are a little more uh, removed mm-hmm. from physical contact, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah. Uh, would you do one about how to eat? Yeah, that's on the list. Okay. Yeah. And just Although like there's the so – I mean, but I mean, jeepers, creepers, where do yeah. you begin with that? Well, there's you – know? Two whole channels devoted to how to eat. Oh, that's true. So. Right. Well, we'll take them on. <laughs> no, one person on Twitter said that his son suggested how to eat spaghetti. Oh. And I kind of like the specificity of that. Yeah. And also – Or just cooking co- pasta. Well, no. Be, we, Too complicated? Yeah. Most <laughs> most food preparation things we right. decided to stay away from. That's probably because, wise. Because Cooks Illustrated and Martha Stewart and a lot of other people have, have built this industry of – taking very simple food items and saying, here is the best way to make a muffin or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, Cook's Illustrated is kind of has that scolding tone of like, yeah. you know, your grilled cheese sandwich is wet and floppy and the <laughs> crust is all wrong. And we, the- we, did, we, we tested 54 grilled cheese recipes and this is the best way to make grilled cheese. And if you don't do this, go jump in a lake. <laughs> and we kind of wanted to avoid doing that with food because that, that, 
because that is a familiar way for people to think about food now. And what we were trying to do was challenge people to take a take a more obsessive look with all these other things that they haven't thought about in this kind of yeah. deep obsessive uh, way. But it's still, I, I think in in one episode you said something which I thought kind of seemed almost like the sub thesis for the whole show, which is like I want to have the best of whatever the thing is that I'm trying right. To yeah, have. yeah. Well, that yeah, and that's an, that's that's just a way to approach all the science mm. and all the cool stuff that's happening just below the surface of all these everyday things, like opening doors and flipping coins. Is yeah. to is to set out to 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 be the best door opener you can be, right? Or the best hole digger mm-hmm. from how to dig a hole. So that is that is a part of it. Yeah, striving for that like excellence. Yeah, best practices. That's what they call it in business school. Right. I've been told. <laughs> um, so y- you've been uh, I- I just on Twitter, and I don't know how y- you said you didn't want me to oversell the importance of this, but mm-hmm. I was very intrigued by I-, I-, I guess a hobby that you are now currently trying to be the best at. Or okay, that- go on. <laughs> Uh, which is uh, talking your... about fingernails. Yes, I, I think we're right. we're almost there. Yeah, I yeah. think if we spend five more minutes on fingernails, we can we can almost get right. that. Um, but uh, no, your 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 blossoming mashup career. Okay, right. Uh, this is what happened. Okay, a couple years ago, maybe it was just one year ago. John Hodgman, the writer, and I. Uh, were invited to DJ a dance party. And we both bought this cheapo digital DJ software, and we realized you could make rudimentary mashups on it. Uh-huh. And we both had this incredible night where I was in my home in uh, Beacon, New York, and he was in his house in western Massachusetts. And, like, we were both simultaneously up till like, 3 or 4 in the morning <laughs> drinking and sending each other these clips of these mashups we were making. <laughs> and it was just like – it was like a – a night of like total creative exhilaration where it's like, Oh my gosh, you, anybody can do this, you know, which I used to only think applied to playing rock music with actual instruments. Right. But it turns out you computers are very helpful when it comes to making music. And then I got a little more involved in it and I invested in some, a little more sophisticated software and I started making these mashups and, and, and learning the hard way by playing them at dance parties where they went over like lead balloons. Like you really have to take your time with them. It's, it's harder, it's harder than it seems, you know? And then I started working on my, my life's mission, I realized, which is this album of mashups called Aphex Swift, which is an eight-song album of Aphex Twin music and Taylor Swift vocals, which is a celebration of, of two people who I think are both kind of genius at writing pop hooks. And I've been working on it off and on for a few months, and I've been talking about it nonstop at every public appearance, and I feel like at this point... Uh, now I'm scared like, oh, people – yeah, like I should have just dropped this in the middle of the night with no announcement <laughs> because now I know that like 30 or 40 million people have a lot invested in this Aphex Swift thing. Well, it's like a new Apple product announcement. <laughs> the live stream is going to crash and it's going to criticize my turtleneck as I announce Aphex Swift. And like, well, two things. You couldn't have picked a better time. Because they both have albums coming right. out. Right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how? So that's how I know that the word on the street has yeah. reached Aphex reached- Twin <laughs> and Taylor Swift. We're like, what is this dude doing? I need to drop something. Yeah, yeah. Preempt this. Get on this Aphex Swift bandwagon. <laughs> Taylor Swift was like, give me two weeks in the studio. I got to knock out some hit songs. 
And Richard D. James, Aphex Twin, he hasn't released anything in, I think, like 10 I think he years. hasn't had an album proper for like 13 yeah. years or something like that. Exactly. Um, so the game is afoot. Yeah. And I should have... Is Taylor Swift's whole album out yet or just that no, first No, it comes single? out in like a month, I think. Oh, okay. So I have a month because I want to drop this when they drop their stuff. Yeah. I think they're um, going to be like within a couple of weeks of each other. And then <laughs> three of us are going to go on tour. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and Richard and I are going to be best friends. And Taylor and I are going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> uh, it's going to be an amazing menage a trois. This sounds great. I want the documentary of that uh, behind the, that tour. Right. That's that's going to be one for the books. So also, anyway, no. yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, also, I I don't know if there is another person on the planet who is a bigger mark for this album than myself. Do you <laughs> like both those artists? I love both of those artists. Okay, so yeah. let's play a game. Do you know both of those artists or are you just being friendly? I'm, I'm uh, you know, I listened i there was a, about a four-year period where i listened to uh selected ambient works like every single night to go to sleep okay um my fantasy football team is called selected ambient jerks um nice. that's uh Zing. nice uh yeah i mean i yeah anyway yeah and i'm a big fan of taylor i've seen her live so that's whoa really yeah, yeah just across the street here i went with molly lambert the other girl and heidi and it was really a life-changing experience was it good it was um it's it was not what I expected. It's um It was nonstop grindcore. <laughs> uh it's like all twelve year olds and their parents, which I kind of would expect. Yeah. That that's but the actual show itself is real like she knows that that's her audience. Like you right. think of Taylor Swift as being like a modern pop pop artist who's, you know, she's not uh, she's not like a, a a Disney star or something like that. Right, right. But the show is very much, it feels like a show for a Disney star. I think Taylor Swift is, are we allowed to just say whatever we want on this podcast? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think Taylor Swift is a genuinely talented songwriter. I think, I think a lot of her pop songs are very, very good. I think she is extremely canny and savvy when it comes to self-presentation mm-hmm. and marketing. Mm-hmm. And I think she and, – and, and this tension in her persona and what I perceive to be her actual personality and the actual reality of her situation where so many of her songs are about being the ugly duckling. Yeah. Right? Where I'm thinking, if you belong, you belong with me, yeah. right? And the glasses, right? The- You're on the phone with your girlfriend. Yeah. She's upset, right? You know what the crazy thing is? Is that she's a cheerleader. The other girl is a cheerleader in that, right? And, and then and- the most recent video, she's right. a cheerleader, right? Like- and she's on the bleachers in that song, right? Mm-hmm. And in the video, she's wearing clunky glasses and everything. Now, so she perform. The Taylor, let's put it this way, the Taylor Swift of the popular imagination or the Taylor Swift that she has constructed in the lyrics of her song, okay, is the outcast, the ugly duckling, the dork, you know, the clum- the clumsy person, right, who is who is singing against the popular girls, the mean girls. Taylor, and, and the incredible charged thing about Kanye West in- interrupting Taylor Swift when uh, Beyonce didn't win Best Video for Single Ladies was Kanye West just being himself unwittingly 
improved Taylor's persona by like a thousand percent mm-hmm. because that is the thing that would happen to the Taylor Swift in the Taylor Swift songs. Yes. Yeah. Right. But there are moments in her songs where you where you can tell. Like I'm thinking of, um, oh, what's the song that everyone thinks is about her? Is about uh, who did she date? Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, there's some Jake songs. There's some John Mayer songs. The one, the one where she says, "I'm blanking on it right now." Uh, is it a recent? We are never getting back together. Uh, yeah. Where she says, "Like you're listening to some indie rock record that's much cooler than mm-hmm. mine." She yeah. says it like that, like dripping with contempt and sarcasm. And that's the moment where you're like. Yeah, I think Taylor Swift might be a mean girl. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. she's stunningly beautiful. She's incredibly talented. She's totally motivated. She yeah. is not like Britney Spears. I mean, it's very instructive to compare Taylor Swift and Britney Spears. Oh, God, yeah. And anyone who thinks there are any similarities between the two of them is doesn't doesn't yeah. understand pop culture. Yeah, they're not painted. Britney Spears came from a lower class background. It was completely manipulated all and sexualized. And just this... Just this this depository of of all these projections, right? Mm-hmm. And and she, and she cracked under the pressure, yeah. you know. Taylor Swift came from an upper middle class background. Her family deliberately relocated so that she would be in the best possible geographical region for her career. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a completely different set of yeah. circumstances. And I and I think I mean I've never met cards on the table. I've never met Taylor Swift. We have never exchanged a single glance. Right. Okay. We've probably never been in the same building at the same time. And yet I do get this sense that lurking underneath a lot of these songs, there is this subtext of like, yeah, I'm a dork, poor me, but I'm going to tell you right now, you cross me, son, I'm going to destroy your life (laughs) because I'm Taylor Swift. Now you're seeing the Taylor Swift behind the Taylor Swift. And I think the fact that she knows enough to perform – to perform as public Taylor Swift, the, the Taylor Swift of the mind, mm-hmm. the Taylor Swift of her own lyrics to an audience of fathers and, and 12-year-olds. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody knows to do that if they're yeah. hugely famous. But that is not – like, I guess I, – I mean, I guess it's not that extraordinary. It's well, like every other – it's like every other pop star. That is not who Taylor Swift is right. when she gets dumped by her Hollywood boyfriend. Right. Because well, that Taylor Swift – would be writing some like, you know, like big black type music. Well, know? I mean, she at this point, there's so many of her songs that are those post breakup songs where she's, you know, I wouldn't say that she's. Well, there's some of the scorned woman archetype in it, but it's right. not. It's not like you know, I'm going to burn down your house or anything. But it's still, it's at that point. But I feel like she's. I think she knows herself at this point that she's played out that narrative to a certain point. You think she's done with that? Well, she's been talking – she did. She just had a profile in Rolling Stone that's like uh, kind of about her, her new direction that she's taking. Oh, here we go. So my okay, – go ahead. So my theory is completely outdated and I disown everything I just said for the last 45 well, minutes. Well, no, 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 so no. Go on. No, it's all – I, I completely agree with everything you just said. But like now, this is this is my issue with Taylor Swift right now because I agree with every everything you just said. And I think a huge thing that separates her from somebody like – Britney Spears or something like that is that she has purposefully from the get-go framed herself as a songwriter, which I think puts right. her in a position of power that a lot of other yeah pop yeah stars totally don't yeah have. she's filmed with her guitar you yeah. know right right exactly she does the Diet Coke commercial where she's like 
writing a song in her her right. green room or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. that's a part of who she is. Right. So now she's she's decided she wants to go, you know, kind of abandon any remaining vestiges of the the, the countryside of her Nashville career. is 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 bummed about yeah. this new album. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. It's more like Katy Perry style, just bangers. Yeah. And right? that's the thing that's disappointing to me is because I I do really respect Taylor Swift and I think that she has carved a very like I think that she gets dinged a lot for being, you know, kind of the vanilla of pop stars, but there is no. actually nobody else like her, like currently working in pop at that level. Right. But now she's kind of doing sort the sort of song that almost anybody could do. And I've had multiple disagreements about this song with Molly, who is our, my co-podcaster. But, right. But, um, and the, that's, new, the new one where she tries on all these different video girl tropes yeah. and like is yeah. awkward in all of them. Yeah. Right. Which is sort of, I mean, of course she would be awkward. She couldn't, she couldn't be seen being a, a master twerker. Like. Well, right. That's the thing. I mean, the, but you know, the real Taylor Swift, yeah. you know, she can twerk. Oh yeah. She's, right. Cause she's she can like, do whatever she puts her mind to. She's practiced a lot. She's yeah, probably right. a fan of your show. Right. Well, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I have So why is she on. making this turn away? I mean, she, it, she can't be making the turn away from country style songwriting because she, she's tired of living in poverty and just wants to hit record for once. I mean, is it? I think. I mean, it's the way that she has made it sound is that she doesn't want, like, she doesn't want to live in that mental space anymore of writing songs about guys. But at the same time, right. like, what you can, what from what you can, we've kind of learned about what's on the album so far. There's still a ton, tons of songs about guys, so right. I don't know. But they're just less, I guess. They're, they have less of the country influence in them anymore. Right. I mean, well, that, remember her first song. What was her first song was called Tim McGraw. Yeah. <laughs> that was her first single, yep. which is a country song about listening to a country singer yep. to remind her of that summer that she spent, you know, with the boy with the pickup truck that had a tendency of getting stuck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, so that's Taylor Swift talk. <laughs> Got nails. Fingernails, hate them. Taylor Swift, love them. <laughs> Yet Taylor Swift has fingernails, so it's a deal killer, Taylor. I'm sorry. I'm sure she's into nail. Oh, that, that's the other thing about Taylor Swift that sort of is a little bit unsettling to me about the real Taylor Swift is her aggressive friendness with like her aggressive mission to be everybody's best friend. But I mean, like actual famous people's best friend. Oh, does she do that a lot? Is yeah. She a um, she star hugger. She kind of she'll like. She'll be seen out being BFFs with people a lot, and she'll be like, oh, so-and-so, and I have slumber parties, and we, like, play dress-up and stuff like that. And okay. we, we should stop the conversation <laughs> before I just zone out about Taylor Swift having her dress-up slumber parties with other famous With, actresses. like, Carly Kloss, who looks exactly like her. Like, that's her new best friend now. Uh, I'm very up on – I'm very up Yeah, on. I'm impressed. You're going to like this mashup album, I hope. I, I, I really have high hopes for it. Or All maybe right. – I have realistic expectations. Uh, yeah, everybody it. tamp down your expectations <laughs> so, that it, so that I can more easily exceed them. That's Wait. kind of my life motto, actually. <laughs> that's kind of – yeah, I should say that as soon as I walk into any new room. <laughs> Um, do you have any other uh, mashup projects that you would like to tackle at some point, or things that you know? Well, I mean, I'm working on I'm working on dozens of them simultaneously. Okay. You know, and uh, uh, yeah, I'll, right now I'm working on one that has uh, involves "Fortunate Son" by Creedence Clearwater Revival, which is one of my favorite songs. Okay. 
uh, and it has a Pitbull lyric over it, and I chopped it up a little, the the Credence song. And um, another one is... Uh, you might be too young to remember this song, but it's called Still Not a Player by Big Pun. Mm. It was big in the 90s. as a great piano hook. Okay. Uh, this, the radio version is I'm Not a Player, But I Crush a Lot, <laughs> which is obviously not the explicit version. Right. And then I have that going with I'm Still Standing by Elton John. Okay. <laughs> which, which works. And then the one that I think could be a real banger is Annie Up, yeah. uh, that beat. Remember that? Mm-hmm. With... Back in Black by ACDC. Oh wow, that's that that is a banger. I feel yeah. like that's got all the gen- genetic material of a banger. Do you have a stereo system I can plug my laptop into? Or is it all just sports <laughs> memorabilia? Think, yeah, I think right. that none of these is secretly a speaker. Right. Oh, that's the other thing about Taylor Swift. We were talking about this just just recently. Is uh, uh, she's really um paranoid about technology she's like afraid of speakers being turned into microphones and stuff like okay. that <laughs> just when i thought i couldn't be more obsessed with this blonde cypher <laughs> you're telling me she's like a like a what i'm hearing in my mind as you say that is oh great she's like a, a privacy advocate who hates the nsa yeah and wants to roll back warrantless wiretapping. i don't think she's that political about but, it right exactly yeah. she has the imp- she has the fear impulse yeah. but not the political yeah. sensibility so she's just like a par- paranoid person <laughs> i don't know i mean i think i think a lot of that is like understandable being taylor swift being a very public oh, yeah. person yeah um and she i mean Molly actually wrote about this this week, uh, like Carl of her kind of her techno paranoia. But um, yeah, she I mean, she she's afraid of wiretapping. I mean, there's there's a there's a Twitter account, like a parody Twitter account called um, I think it's called Infosex Swift or something. Oh, I've seen that. I know yeah, exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So yeah, basically, yeah. like this is the revelation that that's not actually apparent apparently right, right. at all. Um, well, she has reason. I mean, look at what happened with all those, the, the weirdos getting all those nude selfies mm-hmm. of famous people. And know who wasn't in that whole collection. That's right. She faxes that stuff. <laughs> totally. Uh, Pol- Polaroid film put in a manila envelope sent across the country to whoever she's dating now. Colin yeah, Powell, I don't know. Know. Alex Jones. <laughs> How do you? Where do you go from? I think the other thing is now that she wants to. I should start. Like I'm revealing too much information about Taylor Swift, and we talk about Taylor Swift maybe 25 percent of the time on our podcast. Oh, really? Anyway, okay. Yeah, she's a big focus of of, of interest. So wait, what were you? But finish your thought. Um. Oh, just that she's yeah. Well, kind of what I was saying before. She's more focused on having girlfriends now and just like solidifying. Oh, I thought you were going to say she's focused on starting a family. Mm. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think that's still down the line for her. I don't know. She's also. I don't know. I could. Let me ask you this. <laughs> Who is more? What is the? Do you see any parallels between Gwyneth Paltrow and Taylor Swift? Yes, of course. All right, go on. <laughs> I mean, she. I feel like. I feel like there was oh no 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 I know I'm 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 messing this up. That was Blake Lively because Blake Lively started a lifestyle brand that um sort of similar in spirit to Goop. Right. Uh but yeah, no, of course. Uh I think I think they're kind of she's kind of the update of her. Like there's always been some blonde skinny Taylor Swift is the new Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, and I think I think that she's like a Gwyneth Paltrow for the social age too because she's like very She's got a very, um, 
I say like she's got a very like kept uh, public profile in the way that like when a Gwyneth Paltrow wouldn't really have to even even Does Taylor Swift have a lot of Twitter followers. Oh yeah, I'm just that was a joke. <laughs> okay. I can only imagine. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll we'll all be there someday. But yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big Gwyneth um, advocate. Oh really? To my, sh- to my chagrin, um, I don't know. What do you like about her? Um, I just really liked. I, she was my favorite actress when I was like a theater kid in high school, and so I always, you know, was paying attention to how Gwyneth acted and stuff, which is like being kind of a awkward, you know, not blonde, <laughs> right? Uh, tween that was very, you know, a very melancholy <laughs> feeling. I remember is that I would never be Gwyneth Paltrow, and now I just, I think she shouldn't talk at all, but I still think that she's a really good actress. Like, so she I think, should, act, she should be a mime. Is what <laughs> not, not in her acting, but I oh, think she oh. shouldn't like as a public person. Like, right, as, I under, okay. whenever she gives a soundbite, it's always just like, oh, like, oh right, like, exactly. but as an actress, I think she's very, very good. I think she has like a good persona. Does she but, still act? Not very much. Not ever since she had kids. But who's yeah. your favorite female pop singer of all time? Ooh, of all time. Um, does does Fiona Apple count? That's not pop. That's not pop. No, she's That's on your the radio. Answer? No, I mean I'm just trying to think of like. Well, Fiona Apple is definitely the f- the female solo artist that I have listened to consistently. For the longest period. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good specific answer. Yeah. Okay, let's do this. This is game is called Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. I'm going to name a pop singer and you just say Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. Okay. Taylor Swift. Thumbs Up. Britney Spears. Thumbs Up. Katy Perry. Thumbs Down. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not... not You're going to give a thumbs up to Britney Spears and a thumbs down to Katy Perry? Um, the Britney Spears thing is mostly, I think, a product of when I grew up and the fact that she became a thing when I was, you know, uh, at the target age, I guess. Okay. But what year did you graduate high school? 2003. Okay. So you are younger than me. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. So your relationship to Britney Spears <laughs> is very different than mine. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, it was never... I think it was weird because I never, um, when I was that age, I was always very aware of like not wanting to be into like pop things that everybody else was into. But at the same time, it was like, yeah, but at the same time it was like, oh, but you know, crazy is a great song and I have it stuck in my head today and I can't deny it. And Katy Perry, it's just, so it's just, you aged out. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think, I think Katy Perry, I'm not, I I just can't deal with her shtick as much. Like, I think she wants to be funny a little too much and that's, that just isn't really compelling to me for a pop star, I guess. Okay. Um, she does have some amazing people writing music for her, though. Yeah. Firework is amazing. Wait. Hot and Cold is amazing. Yeah. I don't... I'm not a big Firework fan, to be honest. I think it's Ooh. a little... I think it's a little lazy, but... I once DJed a dance party with Hodgman, and at the end of the night, I think I played it four times in a row, <laughs> because I was so into it at the time. Wait, wait, wait. I want to I do thumbs up, thumbs down with you. Let right. me think of. Let me think of three good, three good ones. Um... Kesha. Thumbs way down. Okay. I think she might be the worst right now. The okay. worst one out there right now. She's not really active right now. Good. So you're, so you're in luck. All right. Um, are you familiar with the works of Demi Lovato at all? I've heard the name, okay. but I don't know. She's, yeah. she's like she's like B-level. Okay. Um, this is important. Uh, Lana Del Rey. That's a, that's a really good one. <sighs> I'm going to say... I think I'm going to say thumbs up. 
Okay, great. Right. Great. I think I'm going to say thumbs up. It's, and There's then that's exactly the amount of time that you need to think about that answer, too. Yeah, I mean, that's I, a I very interesting one because yeah. that feels like a very cynical musical project. But the cynicism is so transparent in the music mm-hmm. that it's it, it's kind of very audacious. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's very theatrical, and that in itself is kind of, like, optimistic about – I don't know. It's just – it's – it's okay. always exciting when someone enters this uh, enters a enters a a space and and it, and it was first of all it, it, your first impulse is like oh it's just another teen pop singer and then you're like oh whoa they're doing a com- they're playing a completely different game yeah it's kind of like Pink mm-hmm. I remember when Pink first blew up and it was like okay we got another female you know kind of R and B influenced singer it's like whoa Pink is actually kind of like a very interesting mm-hmm. cool person. And this song is about, like, killing an abusive boyfriend. Like, this is different <laughs> yeah. than Britney Spears. You yeah. know what I mean? And she she makes no issue of bringing that up, especially in her earlier songs about Yeah, right. She's she not the yeah. same old – and I feel like Lana Del Rey is kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it is – yeah. I think you need those people in the ecosystem. I think that's – I think even if you don't like her, it's important right. that she's there, I guess. Right. Whereas Kesha just feels so – her her the way she raps drives me bonkers. Mm-hmm. It just feels like the worst type of appropriation. I feel like her songs aren't as str- I feel like she's getting the songs. Well, TikTok is actually kind of a hot song. Pretty great. Yeah, but I feel like she's getting the stuff that Katy Perry is passing on sometimes. And just singing about decadence all the time, you yeah. know, it's yeah. It's just – it's unseemly, I feel like, on some level hmm. for a woman to express enjoying her life. It just feels <laughs> indecent to me. Word. OK. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, wait. I got one more and then, right. and then we should wrap this up because I – yeah. All right. Should, this, otherwise, this pod will be a million years long, but that's cool. Um, we're giving the people what they want. Uh, Beyonce. Thumbs down. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's my big thing. All right. Thumbs down to Jay-Z and Beyonce. Just the the entire, the dynasty, the... The entire corporate entity. I am, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, rem- I do remember the first time I heard Single Ladies. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where you're like, it's how I used to feel about when Timberland was producing beats in the nineties for Aaliyah and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I can't believe this is on the radio. This sounds like it's from the future. Yeah. And I remember feeling that about single ladies yeah. and then realizing it was Beyonce and being like, Oh man, it's Beyonce. <laughs> you know, like, oh, can't it just be some cyborg, you know, well, you know, some well, people uh, would argue. Yeah, I guess. Right. So my thing about Beyonce is I understand that in a way, she's a much better role model for young women than even Taylor Swift is hmm. because Beyonce is much more about – just feels like her thing is like I'm going to grab the reins of power and create a new regime, mm-hmm. you know, a gynocentric <laughs> military-industrial paradise that I will be in charge Sounds of. Sounds great. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She, her songs are much more about agency than Taylor's are. Taylor's songs are much more self-pitying, mm-hmm. right? And Beyonce's is like, you know, well, it, it, taking o- you know, taking yeah. over. Beyonce's right? songs assume you have just listened to Taylor Swift songs for two hours and you're ready to like stand up and you yeah, know I mean, go right, out right. and get the groceries. <laughs> and and 
Crazy in Love is good. Um, but I always heard I always heard unseemly things about how things ended with Destiny's Child and Beyonce. Mm-hmm. And her, I mean, and and I feel like, you know, I was glad she did she did some big award show where that she had the word feminist behind her or something. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm I'm into that. Like that's good. And I kind of feel like that was a moment of Beyonce being like to all these other like Kesha's or whatever, just being like, ladies, it's yeah. grown up time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Beyonce's in the building. Feminism is important. Yeah, right. Her marriage to Jay Z. Uh, it's not for me to second guess, but I find Jay-Z is just so, Jay-Z just strikes me as a really boring person. Yes. Yeah. He's just a businessman now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? His stupid album that he put out that was like. Magna Carta. It was put out by like Verizon or something. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It was a complete advertisement. Yeah. Right. Just, exactly just once, all so. his moguldom. Yeah. It's. I think whenever an entertainer switches over into the business side and then pretends that they're still interested in making music. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, he's an okay rapper, but frankly, his 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 delivery never did much for me. It just never resonated right. with me the way a lot of other people who came up at the same time and didn't have any of the success as him. Right. So when I look at them, I just see a couple of like Republicans. Do you know what I mean? Really? Yeah, no, in kind completely. of the, in kind of the boring way that I'm using that as like a yeah. massive cultural shorthand. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think more for me, it's I can't really imagine the conversations they have at home. I don't. And yeah, I don't, right. I don't, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I don't want to be in on their conversations. Like I like to admire them as being glamorous, but it's like right. beyond that, I, I don't think I'm. And I do interested. think that probably Beyonce is 20 times more interesting than Jay Z. You know, <laughs> I Jay-Z don't know. His, I mean, maybe not. Jay Z put out that big book. You know, his. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? He had some big pretentious book. You know, I, when did that come out? Uh, maybe five, six years ago. Okay. And, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. You know, like Kanye West. I'm not into everything he does, and I think he would be a very difficult person to have a meaningful relationship with. Yeah. But at least you get a sense of like this guy is an artist, mm-hmm. and he will let his art take him to some pretty weird places. Yeah. Jay Z just feels so self-aware and so studied in the way that any corporate. Well, it's like he's kind of crowdsourced at this point. Like, yeah, right. There's something, there's something very like, yeah, it's very kind of middle of the road in a way that's, you know, that works for what he wants to do now, I guess. I don't get the feeling right. that he feels like he's failing at that. No, no. Like, but at this point, it is impossible to imagine something Jay-Z could do that would be surprising, which maybe makes – maybe it's the perfect time for him to surprise all of us. Yeah. Whereas Beyonce still feels like she might do something kind of crazy. Yeah. You know? Well, like, she has within the last year or so, you know. What did she do? Well, she dropped the album out of nowhere. Oh, right. Yeah. Was, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I – but I still say thumbs down to Beyonce. Okay. All right. Well, uh So come at me, haters. <laughs> uh, direct all your, your internet rage. Should we, do, should, we, should, we, should we put your Twitter handle out there for people? Or I don't know. Mm, no. <laughs> not, not after this conversation. <laughs> Oh, the stands. Right. Just, uh, it's like 42-year-old man obsessed with Taylor Swift's fingernail slumber <laughs> parties and thinks Beyonce is a Republican. Yeah, maybe let's not put my Twitter handle out there. It'll still be out there. Um, well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for, for stopping by. Thank you for having me in and, and talking about my TV show. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and you're on tour right now. Uh, how right? much longer is – where is your next stop? Because you're in L.A. When does this podcast go on there? Tomorrow. Radio? So it'll be up on Thursday. So we have a show Thursday night at Largo. Okay. I'm opening for John Hodgman, the famous comedian and writer of, of, and 
more recently kind of semi-motivational speaker. He's doing some really amazing things now. Oh, wow. Um, and then Friday, Austin, Texas. Okay. And then I go home. Cool. Yep. Well, yeah, check out Going Deep if you haven't. The whole thing's on Hulu now. It's amazing. Uh, thank, thank you, for, you for stopping by. My pleasure. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcast.